1: Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news item, and events of the week that I covered. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week, as it always is this time of year, is Saturday's Kentucky Derby. 158,000 people attended, despite uh, shaky weather, to put it mildly. A lot of rain leading up to the race. The skies were generally clear. Uh, at post time, but, uh, the track was unbelievably muddy and always dreaming, uh, the favorite one again, I think it's the fourth year in a row that the favorite has won the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, just quite the spectacle. One of my favorite events of the year to watch and, uh, hopefully I'll get there someday. Tom Brady and David Ortiz uh, were there. Tom Brady, for him, it's a yearly sojourn. He has uh, been there what feels like at least 10 years or so in a row. Great picture floating around of him and Big Poppy And uh, Boston's, uh, two of Boston's all-time sports heroes, to put it mildly. And uh, again, just great to see Tom Brady there yet again. And great race, great spectacle, and uh, truly, truly just uh, a genuine slice of Americana. Well, my low light of the week is the Celtics being outscored by the Wizards 26 to nothing in the third quarter as the Wizards ran away with game four. And so this slugfest is... uh, now nodded at two-two, game five at the Garden Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome. Uh, game five, of course, is always the swing game. Uh, but what the Wizards did in the third quarter was unbelievable. Seen a lot of runs in the NBA. We see them practically every game, but twenty-six to nothing in a playoff game—pretty uh, unheard of. So it should just be incredible to watch on. Wednesday night, I know Boston's already getting fired up, uh, to put them mildly. And this series has featured a lot of runs, actually, throughout the series, most of them by the Wizards. And watching John Wall uh, throughout the playoffs, same with Isaiah Thomas. Uh, These two are just putting on a show. Uh, It's nothing short of spectacular to watch. Uh, sticking with the NBA playoffs, uh, fascinating to watch LeBron taking his game to another level, which none of us, I think, thought was possible. And uh, so they had their second sweep in a row. The Warriors are going for their second sweep in a row tonight against the Utah Jazz uh, so that they would both start 8-0 in these playoffs. And, uh, boy, the Warriors and – Cavs are shaping up, Uh, they meet in the NBA Finals to be along the lines of the Celtics, Lakers of the 1980s, Magic versus Bird, and I just think, uh, which was frankly some of the greatest sports uh, ever played, and living up here in Boston, some of the great sports memories ever, so uh, looks like we're headed that way, and boy is that going to be epic, Clash of the Titans, my bizarre story of the week are the Edmonton Oilers outscoring the Ducks 5 to nothing in the first period last night in the NHL playoffs, speaking of runs, uh, like the NBA and the Celtics and Wizards. Uh, and they did it in the game after giving up three goals in the final few minutes uh, the other night. So the Oilers and Connor McDavid really showed what they're made of. In route to their victory, Uh, hockey playoffs, as always, are great to watch. Uh, Washington Capitals made a great comeback on Saturday night at home. Uh, Three goals in the third period after being down 2-1. And tonight's game from Pittsburgh should be awesome. And it feels like we're going to find out once and for all what the Washington Capitals are made of. They've never broken through. Tonight is their opportunity against the toughest Of odds in Pittsburgh defending Stanley Cup champions so uh, that is going to be worth watching a lot of new blood uh, in this year's playoff with the Oilers as I mentioned but also uh, Nashville Predators Uh, hats off to them for uh, winning their series going to the Western Conference finals and then the Ottawa Senators uh, are also looking to break through against the New York Rangers so uh, NHL playoffs, as always, fabulous. Well, my event of the week that I covered is the Positive Coaching Alliance Football at Fenway Luncheon, uh, held at Fenway Park recently, and it was just fabulous. Uh, there's going to be three big games played at Fenway Park this November. Brown will play Dartmouth, UConn will play Boston College, and UMass will face UMaine. So all the coaches were at this great luncheon. Phil Estes from Brown, Randy Edsel from UConn, he's back after formally coaching them and then going to the University of Maryland. Mark Whipple from UMass, he being the quarterback whisperer who played a major role in the development of Ben Roethlisberger with the Steelers, Buddy Tevens from Dartmouth, Steve Adazio from Boston College, and Joe Herazmiak from the University of Maine. So it was just terrific. Uh, everybody, it felt like everybody in New England who's involved in uh, the world of college football was there. It was terrific. People in the audience included former NFL in New England college stars, Isaiah Kaczynski, and uh, played at Harvard, Sean Morey, played at Brown, also both went on to excellent NFL careers, and the Positive Coaching Alliance, uh, just really a very, very impressive national organization. This, of course, was put on by the New England chapter, Uh, they basically are, their mission is... Uh, how football builds character through grit, resilience, discipline, teamwork, and more. Again, just a tremendous event held in the State Street Pavilion uh, overlooking Fenway Park, and really one of the better events that I've enjoyed. And uh, shout out to the PCA New England Executive Director. Beth O'Neal Maloney, for having me there, and just truly a wonderful, wonderful event. Another event that I attended uh, was the Connecticut Sun Media Day, as the uh, of the for the WNBA, which kicks off this weekend. Uh, the Sun play their first game on Saturday night at the Mohegan Sun Arena. I've covered the Sun often in the past, and uh, it's a great take, particularly down in Connecticut uh, at Mohegan Sun, and I uh, interviewed a number of the players, including Morgan Tuck, formerly of UConn, and she was the leading scorer last night as the Sun won their third preseason game in a row. They look like they're uh, set up for uh, a big season. Um... So it's going to be interesting to watch them this year, to say the least. And uh, can't wait for the season to get started. It's really uh, turned into a a terrific summer summer activity. I certainly enjoy going down to the games, uh, cover a few games every year, and uh, can't wait for the season to start. Because, like I said, optimism is running high in Connecticut for this year's Sun. And now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show.
1: The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today?
4: I'm doing great, John. Doing very well. Thank you.
1: That's good. Uh, Well, uh, as is often the case, it may be May, but we have football ...on the docket, uh, so to speak, and I'm dying to hear how the aftermath of Alabama and the NFL draft, they of course, uh, as usual, had a number of players picked, they even had a little mini run there, Of I think, what, three in a row maybe were picked, Uh, anyway, the draft was awesome, and I've got to think that people down in Alabama are feeling pretty good to watching their boys perform in the NFL...
4: Yeah, John, it was a record-setting night. They had ten selections, and then they had some intermittent, uh, in- intermittent uh, uh, milestones. I think there was, what, seven picks within maybe 55 or something, and nine within 79 or 80, something like that. That set a record for the NFL draft. And uh, so there were that ten selections. Tied the Alabama record at 10 way back in 1945, John, if you can believe that. But, uh, this wow. is the, you know, the, the, uh, common era draft from 67. They had nine, I think in 2013. So the 10 was a record for them. And, you know, I think one of the surprises was that Marlon Humphrey was the first one off the board. At right. Number sixteen for the Baltimore Ravens, so that that surprised some folks, which it did me as well because I wasn't certain that he would be in the first round. I thought he would, I, you know, I had high suspicion that he would, but I wasn't uh, necessarily positive. So he came off the board, and then um, you know, a couple had yeah, number seventeen and number nineteen came off the board. Um, you know, Jonathan Allen went to Washington, and then OJ Howard was at number nineteen, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then at the tail end of the draft, uh, for, in the first round, was Ruben Foster to the Forty ers So they had four in the first round, and and uh, they were they were off and running, and uh, they had a record-setting night. As I said, I was I was fortunate enough, John, to actually be with OJ Howard the night he was drafted at his uh, private party in Prattville, Alabama. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I got an invitation. Um, a couple of days before, and he invited certain people from the media. And it was held on the Robert Trent Jones Golf Course at the Marriott there. And there was a presidential cottage, which I think they they probably rent for in the five thousand dollars a night range. It's actually it's an actual building. Um, it's it's named cottage. It's but it's it's a really a building, a couple stories. And it was it was a fabulous event. About one hundred fifty people there, family members and media.
1: And this was OJ Howard.
4: OJ Howard, sure. And, wow. Uh, he, I, I think that when people ask me about who will have the longest and most successful career, I mean, I think OJ of that group. He he's uh, right in position to to be very good because he's he's in the top ten percentile probably for height, weight, and speed at that position. You know, six foot six, two hundred fifty pounds, and really move. And he's athletic, and and the the tight end is in vogue, so. He went to a good team with Jameis Winston, young quarterback, uh, developing still. But um, he he was excited to go to Tampa Bay. It's in warm weather, so uh, good for O.J. Howard.
1: I loved it. I really did, AP. Uh, You know, Tampa Bay is one of my favorites, if not my favorite, NFC team. And uh, I just think he and Jameis Winston are just going to be terrific together. Thought of you the minute they made the pick, and uh, I just think it's it's fabulous. Uh, we've talked about O.J. Howard before. We've seen him perform in the national championship games, and uh, I just think it's going to be truly, truly special. Um, I, I just got a feeling he, he, he could be another Gronk-level player. So, uh, you know, I just think it's the perfect spot for him.
4: Yeah, John, if you give him enough opportunities, he's going to make some plays, and especially when you're, he, he's running down the field on the pass pattern, down the seam, down the side by those long legs. Right. I mean, he can get momentum. Once he catches the football, you have to tackle him. That's that's a load. And uh, if they use him properly, the O.J., he can be one of the top tight ends in in the league.
1: No doubt. You and I talked extensively in a recent show about the importance of of tight ends so uh boy again i just think you know he's going to be a a player and the bucks had a good draft with you know giving Jameis a lot of weapons and uh so yeah watch out for the bucks let's not forget they were right there and make uh, to almost making the playoffs last year and uh, uh something tells me this could be a breakthrough season for them uh making the playoffs uh so it should be great to watch and The draft was just quite a spectacle. I actually was with some people from Philadelphia who were literally in their office building overlooking the Ben Franklin Parkway uh, (laughs) on Thursday night, especially round one that had, you know, it was perfect weather. Uh, The estimates ranged from 70 to 100,000 people there uh i've been there being a pennsylvania native i've walked down that street many times one of the great streets in america and boy it just looked unbelievably impressive uh hats off again to the nfl ap you were in chicago last summer and i know that was quite a spectacle and now philly and i hear there's 14 cities bidding for upcoming drafts as we speak
4: Yeah, John, I wonder who's going to be the favorite. I mean, I always thought maybe the next spot was Los Angeles. but uh, Me too. I haven't seen that list of 14. I haven't seen the list, but I would think Los Angeles is one of the prime uh, prospects to have that NFL draft next year.
1: I would think so. Now that they have two teams, the new stadium, of course, is being built. Looks like uh, literally the eighth wonder of the world. Um I'm just curious. I guess my only question is: Are they going to like you know do it maybe next year to say shall we say wet the appetite or might they do it you know might they save it a year to do it at that new stadium which is going to be much more than a stadium it's going to be a a literal uh, you know entertainment complex obviously and uh, so yeah so I'll be anxious but yeah there's no doubt in my mind uh, on the assumption that stadium's ready in two years that. It will be in LA. One of the next, you know, if not next year, then the year after for sure.
4: Yeah, probably so. I mean, that's probably the judgment call that must be made. Do you want? Do you want to whet that appetite, as you said, the, the year before, or would you like to wait at the actual on-site facility? Um, because there's plenty of venues out there to have a draft. You, you can, you know, have it in Hollywood, or you I mean there's, there's many places that they can make a spectacle of the event. In the Los Angeles area, so that's just a question of what what's your preference. Do you want to wait till that that venue is fully completed, where you can show off every inch in, to the audience?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Like one one other city that comes to mind uh, would be the uh, you know Atlanta with their new stadium, which of course is right downtown, inches away, literally from where the Georgia Dome was. So. Uh, I've been there. I know you've been there many, many, many times. Uh, right. You know, because uh, my point in saying it is simply that, uh, you know, the downtown venue clearly works. I mean, you know, they held it in Chicago, but it wasn't about Soldier Field. They held it in Philadelphia. It wasn't about Lincoln Financial Field. So it's not necessarily about the stadium, but, in, in, you know, but I think the new the, – the location of the new Atlanta stadium – just would be perfect i mean if i'm not mistaken it's practically across the street from like centennial park am i correct in that
4: yeah it's not very far yeah that's it's right nearby and the stadium is supposed to be open of course having a little issue with the retractable roof i've heard so that's going to be interesting because alabama's playing that their first game against florida state so i don't know what's going to happen they'll play the game but i don't know if that roof would be uh covering the stadium or open
1: yeah, and it's interesting, A.P., you know, uh, you'll appreciate this. When I said I was with some people from Philly, uh, one of them, of course, was an Alabama grad, super, super Alabama fan. And uh, <laughs> he, of course, was bringing up uh, about the Florida State-Alabama opener, which got us talking. Is that the official opening event of the new stadium?
4: I I think it might be. Uh... Yeah. A uh, maybe an exhibition game or something, but the Falcons, I'm not sure, John. Yeah,
1: right, there might be a preseason game, you know, the, the so-called soft opening, as we know, which uh, yeah. everybody does these days, and it's a good, good thing. We'll work out any kinks that may exist. Uh, right. But, you know, but it, would, it seems, given it's Labor Day weekend, correct?
4: Yes, it sure is. And, and there's actually usually two games, John. There's one on the Saturday evening and then Monday night. Or sometimes okay. it's like, or sometimes it's on that that Thursday as well.
1: Correct. So, yeah, but,
4: I, but I don't I don't think that's the case this year. I think it's on that Saturday, the Alabama Florida State.
1: Right. Well, as we all know, the NFL season doesn't start till after Labor Day, and this year, of course, it's going to be uh, the Patriots raising the banner against playing the Chiefs on the Thursday night after Labor Day weekend. So yeah, so it it's, it seems to me that that. Alabama Florida State game Labor Day weekend will be kind of the first real big event uh, at the new stadium so that should just be absolutely awesome Uh, as a Patriots season ticket holder I was disappointed that it wasn't the Falcons uh, since you know obviously a Super Bowl rematch would have just been incredible given the the comeback the Patriots made and all that uh, the history Um, but, uh, Atlanta's playing that opening kickoff weekend, uh, to open the new stadium. So I think it's going to be, uh, what would it be like September Patriots open on the seventh Thursday night. So So the 10th or the the 11th, the, the, the 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 10th or so 10th or 11th. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, you know, I can appreciate that, uh, the NFL, uh, is smart to feature it and the chiefs will be a good opening game but it you know the falcons would have been a better one because everybody is still talking about that super bowl and they will be right through september 7th that's for darn sure and beyond uh well that's exciting stuff uh to say the least but again the draft i thought was just really uh terrific i thought that you know uh, I grew up near Pittsburgh, so I thought the Steelers draft was particularly exciting this year with, uh, you know, taking J.J. Watt's brother in the first round, uh, Juju from South Carolina, Southern California, excuse me, the other USC. Uh, oh, right. Juju James Schuster, of course, uh, as a longtime Steeler watcher, uh, my first thought was instantly, of course, Lynn Swan. Yeah, uh, who the Steelers took out of USC in 1974, and what is still considered the greatest draft by any team in the history of the NFL. <laughs> it brought John Stallworth, Jack Lambert, and Mike Webster along uh, along with it. Um, and let's not forget the last big name out of USC drafted by the Steelers was uh, someone named Troy Polamalu. So <laughs> I just loved that pick, and then the pick that. Everybody in Pittsburgh just absolutely loved, and we all love, uh, just so perfect as James Connor out of Pitt, who, of course, beat Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, ultra inspirational story, and to know he's going to stay home, and again, being from Western Pennsylvania, knowing right where he went to high school, things like that. And then, he, of course, he played at Pitt, made his comeback at Pitt. Uh, you know, in fact, I was uh, there's just so many interesting things about him. I think I read where, before maybe the year before he got uh, the diagnosis, he was the ACC Player of the Year, not Jameis Winston. Which I, I knew at the time, but I had forgotten. So he, he's a special, guy, special guy, a special player as well.
4: John, of all the draft selections that three days, that one kind of was the one that caught my eye. I was yep. really happy for the young fella that he was going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And and I just, you know, a smile came over my face as soon as I saw that, that selection. I was just really happy for him.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the Steelers, this is, you know, this is why uh, the Steelers are the Steelers, one of America's <laughs> more beloved teams. Uh, uh, you know, I saw things where the nurses who helped doctors are now going to be able to watch his career unfold in Pittsburgh. Um, You know, it's just so perfect. And oh, by the way, the tribute to Dan Rooney by both the NFL and then uh, the NFL itself, but also, you know, Franco Harris and Jerome Bettis making the picks was just really special. Uh, Just handled perfectly, as the NFL always does, and You know, I'm partial, but I loved it. I just thought it was a real highlight in general with Dan Rooney and and Franco Harris. Uh, Just great to see him. He looks great and just great to, uh, you know, hear hear how eloquently he remembered Dan Rooney. I thought it was really special stuff.
4: Yeah, I mean, Franco Harris, he's always been a, a very classy individual. And, 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 and always a good spokesperson if you have to have somebody that's going to uh, talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the city of Pittsburgh, or any other organization. He's just always been that, that one individual you can count on, and, and you sure. know it's going to be a, 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 a classy moment.
1: Yes, it was just absolutely perfect. Well, AP, hard to believe we've come to the end of our first segment. Uh, still a lot more to get to, and we'll do so on the other side of this break.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net.
1: Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and A.P., we were talking some NFL draft before the break, and uh, lots of stuff went on over the course of three days. That's for darn sure, and uh, what were some of the other things that caught your eye? Well,
4: I really enjoyed when they have the
1: former players make the selections. Yep.
4: I mean, you never know what they're going to say, and of course the one that is maybe the all-time thus far, is when Drew Pearson came to the podium and made the Dallas Cowboys selection. Now, he's, if I recall correctly, he played at Toms River High School with Joe I if I recall correctly. Wow. So, he, so he's from New Jersey, as far as I know. I think he played at Tulsa, right? I think he played at Tulsa.
1: I believe but, so. Wow. But, I didn't know he was from the Joe Thiesman connection.
4: Yeah, I think I think I think he is, but but anyway, he he addressed that Philadelphia crowd with all the the Dallas uh, arrogance that he could he could come up with, and he nailed it, and uh, it was perfect. I thought it was one of the best moments of uh, any draft.
1: Absolutely, a total highlight. I was watching it live when it unfolded. Uh, literally, couldn't believe it, and you know. And he just kept on going. Like, that was the best part. I mean, Philadelphia <laughs> fans are legendary. Uh, they they know how to boo like no other. They are known for booing Santa Claus and being edgy would be a, a kind word. But what he did, and he just kept going and going and talking about the Super Bowl rings and everything. And it was just spectacular. Um, and I actually think the Philadelphia fans... Liked it as well. I mean, it was just such a great back and forth between him and literally 75,000 fans, literally.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, they understand uh, when somebody comes to Philadelphia, I mean, that's the, the role that they play. They'll, they're going to boo, boo Santa Claus, boo anybody. I mean, even when they began the draft, John, right? When right. Roger Goodell came to the podium, he kind of uh, encouraged them to boo.
1: I thought he was great, by the way. I loved when the commissioner just said bring it on Philly. I just thought that was beautifully handled, perfect. It was just so perfect for Philadelphia. And they responded of course, but I just thought what he did was terrific. You and I have attended drafts, we've seen it and heard it. We know exactly how that goes, although it was you know, uh, you can't compare inside Radio City Music Hall with uh what was happening on the Ben Franklin. Parkway—that's for darn sure.
4: No, there's there's no way at all. I mean that that <laughs> big, you know, that thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, Johnny uh, Drew Pearson. Yeah, he was he was the receiver for Joe Theismann, and it was at South River. I was thinking Tom's River, but South River, New Jersey, sure was.
1: Well, I love that story because uh, I, I may have mentioned this in the past on the show, but growing up in Altoona, Pennsylvania, we held every year. Uh, Huge baseball tournament called the Triple ABA A A A uh, B A big deal. Uh, the really the biggest one of the big sports events in our town every year. So one year I'm a little kid and here, here comes the New Jersey entry and everybody's talking about their catcher who happens to be going to Notre Dame. <laughs> this is before he went, so his name was still pronounced Joe Thiesman, uh, <laughs> as in it did not did not rhyme with Heisman. They changed that when he got to Notre Dame. It's a famous story. (laughs) So he was... uh, So it was just a special, special weekend watching, again, this hotshot Notre Dame pledge uh, playing baseball. Fabulous, fabulous baseball player. And lo and behold, fast forward a number of years down in Sarasota, Florida. And... uh, And... Joe Theismann and Peggy Fleming are filming an infomercial in the center of what's called St. Armand's Circle, a little park in the middle. It's sort of like the Rodeo Drive of, uh, uh, of the Gulf Coast of Florida, spectacular shopping area and whatnot, very high end at Lido Beach, and so there was a break in the filming I went right up, introduced myself. I told him the story I just discussed about watching him at the triple ABA and AP. He just lit up. We talked for 15 minutes. uh, And I'm standing here looking at an autographed football, personally autographed, uh, as well as a picture from Joe Theismann. uh, Because he said at the end, that's how we ended the conversation, was, uh, you know, he just said, uh, send me down a football, uh, or j- just send me a note. And I'll, you know, if you want to send me a football, I'll sign it and I'll send it up back along with a picture with a really, really nice personal note on both the football and the picture. Literally looking right at it, prominently displayed in my office. And uh, so, I've been a big Joe Theismann fan my whole life, needless to say, and uh, and even got to meet Peggy Fleming, which is a thrill as well. He introduced he introduced me to Peggy Fleming too.
4: Yeah, that, that's a great. I, I remember in the 68 Olympics, I remember she wore that green outfit. It was Grenoble, I believe, and yep. I, I can recall that. It's something my grandmother would watch that. I remember watching it with her, actually. And and from that day on, I always had this love affair with Peg, Peggy Fleming, and she was so graceful and beautiful, and she was a, uh, always pleasant on TV. I liked to hear her commentary, and I just, I just loved her.
1: Right. She still is, you know, uh, and she was when I saw her in person. She just looked terrific. We're going back a decade or so. But, you know, AP, uh, you know, another thing I was thinking of you in the draft, uh, Mr. Irrelevant. I think Chad Kelly has to be the highest profile name, you know, that everybody recognizes. Usually Mr. Irrelevant, which is the last pick of the NFL draft, is a name that nobody's ever heard of. They practically go hand in hand. Uh, for obvious reasons, but Chad Kelly is a name everybody knows. So that was a, a fascinating Mister Irrelevant pick, to put it mildly.
4: Oh, John! I mean, how could anybody ever come up with this scenario where John Elway selects Jim Kelly's nephew?
1: Correct. Uh, there you go. Was
4: what, what, that that's how many years later? Thirty-four years later, whatever it is.
1: Nineteen eighty-three draft, right? I mean, right. It,
4: I mean, if you had said that, what are the
1: odds of that happening? Yeah, yeah, shocker. I mean, hey, one thing's for sure. If, he, if, if a year, year and a half ago you'd have said, you know, Chad Kelly will be the last player chosen in the NFL draft, nobody would have believed that either. So it's stunning that he would have fallen that far. and But yet, you know, at least he got drafted. So that, that's the good news. But, you know, uh, Given where he was at certain points, as in the remember the opening game last year against uh, Florida State down in Orlando, uh, you know he, he I don't know that I'd call him a Heisman candidate, but he was you know right. coming in as one of the more you know potential best players in the country, obviously.
4: Oh yeah, he, he beat Alabama. I mean, right, bingo. I mean, uh, he gave him fits the second time as well. So you know that that's unbelievable. That he would end up being the last player selected in the draft. I would have never envisioned uh, him lasting all that long.
1: Oh, my God, no. Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I think before before he took the snap for that uh, game against Florida State last August or whatever, Labor Day weekend, you uh, just said guaranteed, you know, second rounder, if not first rounder. That's how high-profile... His college career was uh, not without some bumps, by the way. We all know that. But, uh, you know, and speaking of quarterbacks, AP, boy, the top of the draft. I mean, there was the uh, shocking move that threw off literally every draft board. The the, the hundreds, if not thousands of draft boards instantly uh, thrown awry when the Bears trade up one pick. They gave the. They just gave up a boatload to the 49ers to get Trubitsky. Uh, It was just a shocker. So John Lynch's first ever official move as a general manager is an absolute blockbuster where he got, whatever, four or five pretty high picks to just move down literally one spot.
4: Yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard that, John. Have you? I mean, one spot? absolutely not. I mean, it, maybe it's happened. I'm just not familiar with it. And all the time I've been watching the draft, but maybe it has happened. But that was quite a move that he made. And you're always looking for more draft choices, and uh, you, you know you don't lose anything. I mean, there's hardly no, there's almost no way he can lose in that situation.
1: Correct. Correct. Um, yeah, and and I really really like John Lynch. I had the eye opportunity to actually have lunch with them a few years back. And I think he, you mentioned John Elway. I I see John Lynch maybe following in his footsteps as kind of the next great general manager who was a great player. And, oh, by the way, no coincidence, they both went to Stanford. (laughs) You know? Um, The other one that the move – maybe one of my favorite moves of the draft was uh, the Chiefs trading up to get Patrick Mahomes, who I knew about but I didn't realize what a fabulous arm, I mean a cannon this guy has and I just loved it, it just seemed like a perfect pick, you know to bring in, to learn from Alex Smith and of course Andy Reid made a uh, made his name, coaching, you know, coaching up Brett Favre. And this guy looks like the second coming of Brett Favre. He's gunslinger, huge arm, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll take chances, put it that way. So I just thought, I think that's just the kind of moves we love to see in the draft. We really do.
4: Yeah, John, now my only question is, can this quarterback break the trend of Texas Tech? People not faring well in the NFL.
1: Fract being system as you
4: said he's very good with quarterbacks. So yep. If anyone could uh, reverse that, uh, Andy Reid is the is the person. So I'll be anxious to watch that. Um, And then just going back to the Chicago one, here here we are. The draft are saying there's not any outstanding quarterbacks per se, and then you would hit three in the first round.
1: Correct exactly um, it really
4: emphasizes the desperation that coaches are seeking a quarterback because without a, a quarterback or somebody of that position you really can't play for the championships
1: exactly right no doubt about it uh, yeah so I am just gonna watch that move closely and you know who I mean we're going I'm gonna I mentioned the chiefs coming in earlier, you know, to open the season against the Patriots on the banner raising night for the super bowl. And, uh, so Patrick Mahomes will be on the field. Uh, I'm going to get there early that night to watch. Uh, I want to see this kid throw on the sidelines. Uh, cause I, I, saw some film of him after he got drafted. That was just incredible. Um, like again, huge, huge arm. Of course was drafted, you know, all the major league teams, wanted him as well. Uh, uh, interesting talent to put it mildly yeah
4: john obviously Andy Reed saw something in him that other teams did not so right i mean it all just takes one coach one general manager one owner one assistant coach one quarterback coach somebody to really like a player and i think the advice that i i heard someone uh Get from, uh, oh, Ron Wolf, I think, was the general manager, of course, who uh, traded for Brett Favre from the, to get him from the Atlanta Falcons to Green Bay. If you really like a player, just listen to your own instinct and follow your judgment and, and go after them.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, it was a bold move. I think everybody loved it. It's what we want to see uh, on draft day, so I thought it was just terrific. And uh, AP, hard to believe it. We're here at the end of yet. Our sec- uh, another segment. So why don't we take another break? A few more things to get to, and we'll do so on the other side.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Sports and medicine go hand in hand.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email
1: to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, first, tonight's capitals penguins game in pittsburgh pittsburgh can close them out and like i said in the opening segment tonight feels like this is the washington capitals most important game in the history of their franchise i don't know how else to say it if they're ever going to break through after their fabulous regular seasons over the years yet their early exits in the playoffs tonight's the night uh, for the for the franchise gut check, shall we say. And I can't wait to watch defending Stanley Cup champions playing at home in Pittsburgh. It's going to be fascinating. And we're going to find out once and for all what the Washington capital for, Capitals are made of. Ovechkin in particular. And then Wednesday night, Celtics-Wizards game five. The swing game at the Boston Garden. The whole town is already a buzz for that one. So, AP. Um... Speaking of big events, uh, I mentioned right off the top the Kentucky Derby. Uh, just quite the spectacle. One hundred and fifty-eight thousand people. Uh, it just looked awesome. An unbelievably wet track, although it didn't. Uh, although it rained in the days leading up and the day of, it wasn't raining during the actual race. Yeah,
4: John. I, I was curious what would happen, but uh, the, the favorite came through and. It was a pretty good race. I mean, uh, yep, yep. It was there was some contenders uh, coming down that back stretch, but no one was able uh, able to overtake uh, Always Dreaming. So, but but it it was a nice day. It turned out to be a nice day in Kentucky and a huge crowd, 158,000, as you mentioned. And, uh, there were, I guess, the two favorites. There was at at when the race started nine to two, yeah. So,
1: Irish War Cry was the other one,
4: yeah. So, not, nothing happened on that score, but so that, that was a good race. It was fun, fun
1: day. Oh, it's just great. No, oh, I know you're down south. I mean, AP, you know, it's always been on my bucket list, but every time I watch it, it moves higher and higher and may now be at number one. I know you just uh, crossed one off your bucket list when you went to the Masters Saturday and Sunday uh, recently when Sergio Garcia won. Uh, have you ever been to the Kentucky Derby?
4: Never been to Kentucky Derby. I went to school with somebody, and we'd be getting ready for finals. And in January, he'd be telling me, well, these people, I mean, these horses are the favorites to win the Kentucky Derby. Heck, I didn't even know one of them in those days. And he, But that was his main focus, getting ready to go to the Kentucky Derby in May.
1: Right. Well, I had the pleasure of covering uh, uh, California Chrome. Uh, a few years ago in the Belmont, the day he was going for the Triple Crown, and uh, there's just nothing like it, uh, you know, like Irish War Cry. He was around when they came down down the stretch, but then he he, uh, he faded, and of course, the next year, uh, American Favorite won the t- Triple Crown. So I was a year too early, nonetheless. It was really a spectacular event, and now it just whetted my appetite to someday get to a derby, so hopefully that, that comes to pass at some point. Yeah, I,
4: I, I've been to the Belmont a few times, but uh, didn't cover it, just was there as a fan. But I, I'd love to go to the Kentucky Derby. I think that's very unique, and uh, that, that's something I, I hope to do one day.
1: Yes, and speaking of a unique AP and, and great venues like Churchill Downs... Uh, they're having football at Fenway Park again this year and uh, this fall, so I went to a great lunch put on by the Positive Coaching Alliance, held at Fenway Park. Uh, but yeah, this this November, um, there's going to be uh, three games. Brown will play Dartmouth, UConn will play BC, Boston College, and UMass will face UMaine. So you have this great. Uh, luncheon that I uh, attended with the coach of each team. Uh, Steve Adazio from BC. Randy Edsel back at UConn. Uh, Mark Whipple. uh, Noted quarterback whisperer who uh, meant so much to Ben Roethlisberger's career. And then Phil Estes from Brown. And uh, Buddy Tevins from Dartmouth. And Joe Harazimak from UMaine. So AP was great to be at Fenway Park overlooking the field yet talking football. So I covered the uh, high school games they held there a couple years ago in advance of the big BC Notre Dame game and uh, really a lot of excitement. It was like uh, anybody who everybody who was anybody in the world of college football in New England was at this luncheon that's for sure. Yeah, that
4: sounds like a great event, John. See all those people. How how was Randy Edsel? How was he, John, making a return to UConn.
1: Yeah, you know, he was great. He really was. You know, he, he's a good interview. He, he speaks frankly, and uh, you know, obviously, I and you and everyone else was aware of the move. But this felt like you know uh, the first time I've heard much or seen anything since uh, you know since his introductory press conference of his return. Uh, let's not forget when last seen, Ramsey Edsel took. Yukon uh, to the Fiesta Bowl I believe it was. Uh obviously a major bowl so uh Yukon is looking uh for him to get those get get them back to those heights.
4: Yeah, I mean that that's an incredible feat that he accomplished at Yukon getting them to the a BCS bowl. Correct. And, incredible. Uh, I know the, the exit was a little bit on the messy side, but always forgiven when you're trying to get the football program back uh, to prominence. So, you know, maybe that's his spot. He, he was very good at finding players and developing them while at UConn. So maybe he can work that magic again.
1: Exactly. Well said. You described it perfectly, and it was going It's going to be fun. It was good to see. You know, Mark Whipple uh, at UMass who. Speaking of teams looking to really uh, move to the next next level up with their football, uh, you know UMass uh, and also and Boston College. Steve Adazio, uh, you know, really a fascinating guy. I mean, I can only imagine imagine what his teams like when they take the field because you know he made the audience want to like burst through the doors and and take the field after listening to him. He is Mister Intensity. But you know, endearing as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. Steve Adazio is kind of a, a magical story. He was in yep. coaching high school, and the next thing you know, he's at Syracuse in Indiana, Notre Dame, University of Florida, and he's the you know head coach. So that was quite a, a rise.
1: Absolutely, no doubt about it. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's just going to be great. It's going to be a big, big deal. And speaking of Steve Adazio, he touched on uh, ACC sack leader Harold Landry, who is returning, and he is going to be one of the best players in the country. And uh, he could be next year's Miles Turner, AP. He's Miles good? Garrett. Yes. He's that good.
4: Yeah, that's that exciting good. because you get one of those types of players, and it affects the quarterback, and that's the name of the game at the college level and the professional. Uh I mean if you have him on your side, I mean you win two extra games because of people like
3: him.
1: Exactly, exactly. So uh it's going to be fun to watch. Uh he he could be another Luke Keekley type player for BC and AP. Hard to believe we've gotten to the end of our show. Thank you so much, as always, for calling in and your great perspective. And uh, we'll look forward to doing it all again next week.
4: Well, thank you very much, John. My
1: pleasure. Thank you, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.